Hello and welcome to the Real Life Real Talk podcast. I am your host, William Carr. In this episode, I will continue to talk about being debt-free, more specifically, how to become debt-free. I will look at a few models or cases where people have been set free from debt. I am not going to talk about how to get out of debt, but how to be debt-free. I know this sounds like double talk, but I believe there is a difference in the two regardless of how subtle that difference may be. Let me try to explain the difference. Getting out of debt may require some systematic formula or some method that is applied to the situation in a natural sense. It may require one to consolidate their bills or seek bankruptcy in an effort to satisfy the need of being out of debt, and there is no guarantee that a person may return to their state of not being in debt, even after the remedies have been applied. Being debt-free requires a supernatural experience that involves the spiritual world in your quest to conquer and defeat being in debt. As a reference, I am going to use the book of Samuel, where we find the story of David and his defeat of Goliath. I will share with you some principles of debt releasing power to help you kill, defeat, and demolish the spirit of debt. Just as David killed Goliath, you can kill the debt giant in your life. I call these principles stones. In this story of David, he retrieved five smooth stones from the flooring waters. The stones were smooth from the water flowing over them for a period of time. In the scripture, the flowing of water symbolizes or represents the Spirit of God. David was a young man who was in charge of keeping the family's business. On one occasion, he was approached by Mr. Lion and Mr. Bear, who tried to take over the family business. David destroyed both of them, and his family business was secured. From this story, there are some awesome principles revealed. I will share some of them with you, but I encourage you to read the story. David had been assured of his source's power when he killed the bear and the lion. When you learn to defeat your first adversary or challenge, or difficulty, or misfortune, the rest will be easy. You will have had the practice, and you know what the outcome will be when you defeat your giant. Are you having overwhelming struggles and challenges? Do they at times seem monumental? Do the challenges you are facing appear to be like a nine-foot, one-eyed monster that is indestructible? You are not alone during these struggling and challenging times. The answer is to do like David did. What do you do about circumstances that appear impossible? You have to face your giants. Find a plan that uses precepts and principles to help you slay the giants. When facing your giants, how do you see them? What is your point of view? Do you see your circumstances in a distance? 
Do you distance yourself from your challenges where they appear to vanish? Or are you too close to the situation where they appear monumental? Do you face problems straightforward or do you view them from a different angle? There will be times when we are faced with problems and concerns where we either too close or we are too far to have a clear perspective. In either case, the circumstances does not change, nor does it really disappear. What is needed is a true view to see things as they are. This is true when facing our giants. We do not want to overestimate or underestimate their ability to defeat us. We must have a clear perspective, the right point of view. Study your giants and do not make them larger than they are. Here are some guidance derived from the story of David. 1. Do not use someone else's armor to fight your battles. You cannot always use what others use to make things work for you. David found it difficult to fight wearing King Saul's armor. 2. Show confidence. Be confident. Know your own strengths. Regardless of the size of your giants, you must know you can defeat them. Have more than enough to accomplish the task. David had five stones, but only one was used. The others were more than enough. After you defeat the giant, make sure it will not rise up against you again. Chop off his head. You must know the head of the source of your conflict. At five, after you defeat one giant, the challenge to defeat others will become a stone throw away. These are some of the principles that can be applied to assist in debt cancellation. As David used stones to defeat the giants, I would call these principles stones that will help you defeat your debt giant. The first stone. The first stone is an information stone. The power of information flows from the creator to man. What you must know is the truth. Three things you must know. God is a debt canceling God. It is his nature. We are not talking about getting out of debt. We are talking about debt cancellation. The difference is we get in and out of debt and we have probably done it many times. Yet, we find ourselves in the same conditions over and over again. Debt cancellation is positioning ourselves to, so God can do a miracle in our lives by ridding us of all our debts and teaching us how to stay debt-free. Debt cancellation is a miracle of God. Getting out of debt, you're doing. Debt cancellation, God's doing. God is no respecter of person. He did it for someone else. He will do it for you. God wants you out of debt. He needs you to help spread the gospel. Two things you must start doing. Do the things that will get you out of debt. Start speaking as you are going to be 
dead breathe. Create an open heaven. You must start paying tithes. Start learning how to give. Create an out-of-debt flow. Use the golden rule in your war on debt. Put heaven on notice of your will to be debt-free. Build a memorial before God to stay in His presence. Listening to testimonies that impart wisdom will help you to become free. There is a story found in the scriptures in the book of Kings. There was a woman who had lost her husband. She had a son, and the two of them were close to poverty. She went to the man of God for advice. He advised her what to do, and because she followed his advice, she were able to pay off her debts and had enough to live on. Two important points. Point one, the first thing she did was to go to the man of God who gave her instructions on how to sell oil and pay her debts. We often go to the lender to borrow to pay our debts. The lender's duty is to keep you in debt. Point two, the miracle. She sold enough oil to pay her debts and had enough left over to live on. Ideally, what should happen in the individual's life is to use some other remainder to help someone else that is in debt. There's another story that is told in the scripture about a man who has borrowed an axe to cut down some trees. When they began to cut down trees, the axe fell into the water. Because the axe was borrowed and the rule for borrowing was one had to return what was borrowed to the lender or be punished, the man became concerned. He consulted the man of God and he followed his instructions and the axe surfaced and was retrieved. This action released him from being in debt to the lender. The same principle applies here. Talk to the man of God and receive instruction. After that, expect the miracle. According to scripture, Jesus says, I assure you, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to the mountain, May God lift you up and throw you into the sea, and it will happen. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. The second stone. The second stone is an action stone. It requires you to do something. There are two things you must do. One, you must get active. You must do something. Two, you must take the responsibility. Let the activity become your responsibility. Do not just hear the word. Act upon it. It is a problem to know a truth and not act upon it. Faith alone is dead and it does you no good alone. You must put action with your faith. As it is stated in the book of James. So you see, it isn't enough just to have faith. Faith that does not show itself by good deeds is no faith at all. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. I say, I can't see your faith if you don't have good deeds. But I will show you my faith through my good deeds. 
And also in the book of James, it reads, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. The third stone, create an open heaven. Start paying tithes to open up the windows of heaven. The miracle of debt cancellation comes from heaven. Yet, only 18% of Christians pay tithe. If you do not tithe, you are stealing from God. The tithe is paid, not given. Leviticus read, And all the tithes of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Again, the miracle of debt cancellation comes from heaven. And Matthews, it reads, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Malachi 3 and 10 is a prophecy, and it reads, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. Individuals who are not titles will find it difficult to do things because you are living under a closed heaven. When you do not tithe, you release the devourer in your life. The timing of your life will be out of sync with God's destiny for you. Everything will happen at the wrong time. You will be out of harmony with heaven. Again, Malachi 3 and 11 is God's assurance for your destiny. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, said the Lord of hosts. Every blessing comes from heaven to earth. Tithing is a stewardship principle, not an offering principle. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And in Psalm 24, it reads, The earth is the Lord, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Are you sure you are tithing correctly? You pay the tithe in a specific amount. The tithe should be paid on your gross income, not on your net income. You pay the tithe first. Tithing is a first fruit principle. In the book of Proverbs, it reads, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruit of all thine increase. So shall thy bonds be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Tithing should be preeminent over your taxes. If you compute your monthly bills and determine all that you owe first, and then determine what you can tithe, you are not tithing. Tithing is a first fruit principle. It must be done first. Anything you do to please God must be done in faith. Faith is what pleases God. What happens when you are inconsistent in tithing? Inconsistent tithing makes you a thief. Questions that are normally asked. Where do you pay tithes? Tithes should be paid to the church you are affiliated with. 
However, there are some exceptions. One exception would be if you are not affiliated with a local church, you can tithe where you are being spiritually fed. It is better to belong to a local body where you can grow in other areas. The second question, can I use the tithe for something else? Yes, but if you use the tithe for something else, then Leviticus 27.31 applies. And it reads, if you want to buy back this part of your harvest, you may do so by paying what it is worth plus an additional 20%. Do not get penalized for not paying your tithe. An open heaven, get out of debt. A closed heaven, stealing from God. Tithing is not an option. No room for discussion, debate, or negotiation. Getting out of debt should be understood by all individuals. Tithing opens the whole window of heaven. Your offerings determine what comes out. There's nothing that can attach itself to you in the natural realm unless it has roots in the spiritual realm. You have to kill the root of death. The fourth stone, the golden rule. There is a spiritual power that gives strength to the golden rule. Everything that truly operates as a rule or law must have power behind it to enforce it. As in an example, the traffic police officer authority is in the ordinances of that municipality where the officer is employed. The force of an 18-wheeler truck is in the power of the driver to maneuver the truck safely. Jesus' teaching in the natural does not make sense unless it is done in the light, in the spiritual light, of the Beatitudes. It is a spiritual power that teaches. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Here is the spiritual power behind the golden rule. And it's found in the book of Luke. As you were that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. But if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. For love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is king unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measures, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. In the book of James, it reads, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and coming down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is the power behind the golden rule, 
And we need to know there's a spiritual power that enforces the law of the golden rule. In the natural, it is said, he who has the gold makes the rules. In the natural, the golden rule does not make sense. But in the supernatural, it makes perfect sense. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Also, there is a time before between sowing and reaping. The thought behind sowing and reaping is becoming a covenant partner with someone. It is better to be a partner with someone who has unlimited resources and power. Another thought is to do something for somebody else. What I want God to do for me. Whatsoever you sow, you shall reap. Galatians 6 and 7. And this is a spiritual law. Be careful of your giving to ministries who are in debt. Look for those ministries who are getting out of debt. The fifth stone. Get God's power totally working behind you. Build a memorial or monument in the presence of God. In Acts chapter 10, we find that Cornelius was praying and fasting. And while he was praying and fasting, a spirit came to him and told him because of his prayer and fasting, God heard his prayer and made it a memorial for him. Now, chemistry is bringing different elements together to form a compound. The forming of the compound is more powerful than each element working alone. When two becomes one, there's a stronger power, a different power. This is a biblical principle found throughout the Bible. Our prayers have to be in the will of God. Here are some examples of elements working together. I call them my peanut butter and jelly theology. Faith and work, activity and words, prayer and giving, praise and worship, believing and receiving, worship and fellowship, and fasting and praying. God honors memorial prayers. When you mix your prayers with giving, you have something more powerful than giving. God can do anything. What God will do is revealed in scripture, and you will find more scriptures on debt cancellation than on healing. Put heaven on notice. The purpose of a memorial is to have God focus his attention on getting you out of debt. Your prayer has to be according to the will of God. You cannot overcome sin by focusing on sin. You must turn from sin. You cannot fight supernatural powers with natural strength. You cannot be free from what you do not know. In Hebrews it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Whoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, 
And everyone that loveth him, that begeth, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Lord, you stretch out your mighty arm and make the sky and the earth. You can do anything. You show kindness for a thousand generations, but you also punish people for the sins of their parents. You are the Lord, all-powerful. With the great wisdom, you make plans, and with your great power, you do all the mighty things you plan. Nothing we do is hidden from your eyes, and you reward or punish us as we deserve. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you have any comments or observation about the podcast, you can send them to one, that's the number one, Real Life Ministries at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please share it with your family and friends. Until the next time, remember to keep it real.